Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. One Sunday when my youngest son Tyler was around four years old, our family went to church. The church service started and one of the elders opened the service in prayer. We all bowed our heads and closed our eyes. During the prayer, the elder thanked God for the work of the Holy Ghost. Immediately, Tyler popped his head up with wide round eyes, whispered to my wife, Ghost! Mom, I don't want to see that ghost. We were able to calm his fears both at church and later at home, as we explained to him more about the Holy Spirit being God. The Holy Spirit is not a ghost in the way we think of ghosts and apparitions, but the Holy Spirit is a spirit. There are misconceptions about the Holy Spirit regarding His person and working. If He is just a mysterious power or influence, a sort of divine thunderbolt or impersonal force that does miracles and helps us do good. A.W. Tozer once wrote that when many think about the Holy Spirit, one is likely to imagine a nebulous substance like a wisp of invisible smoke. The Bible is full of information about the Holy Spirit. There are descriptions, names, symbols, actions, and attributes of the Spirit explained throughout Scripture. This teaching is important because it is in the Word of God, and because the Holy Spirit is God, and we need to know our God. But as it's been rightly said, undoubtedly the least understood person of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit. Often there is this shroud of mystery surrounding the Holy Spirit. But do we truly know Him? Do we know who He is? And for all of these reasons, we're going to begin a series on what the Bible says and teaches about the Holy Spirit. I decided to call it Holy Spirit 101, because this will not be an advanced study of the Holy Spirit, but a general overview of the Bible's teaching of the third person of the Godhead. Hebrews 9.14 reads, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In God's Word, the evidence for the deity of the Holy Spirit is abundant. The the Bible reveals this through the names and titles given to the Holy Spirit by the attributes that are explained that He has, His relation to the Trinity, and the explaining of His mighty works. First, we'll look at the Spirit's attributes, which teach us that He is God. Now, there are attributes that God shares with man, with us being made in God's image. And attributes such as justice, love, grace, mercy, patience, faithfulness. We share these kind of attributes with God, but only to a finite extent. For God, He is infinite, and all these and all His other attributes are infinite. But there are also attributes which God, as God, does not share with man, which belong to God alone. And these include that He is omnipotent, or all-powerful, omniscient, or all-knowing, omnipresent, self-existent, 
sovereign, immutable, transcendent, and eternal. In describing the Holy Spirit, the writer of Hebrews referred to the Holy Spirit as the eternal spirit. And being eternal is one of the attributes of God that God does not share with man. And it declares the Holy Spirit to be God. Being eternal refers to God's existence backward throughout time and beyond, further than we can imagine, and then forward into the future as far as we can imagine and beyond. God never had a beginning, and He will never have an ending. There never was a time when He was not, and there will never be a time when He ceases to be. And like with my mind, and I'm sure with yours too, this makes our, our minds want to explode. It's difficult to understand. But that's okay. We are to simply trust it with childlike faith because it is the truth of God's Word. It's been said well that a God who is small enough to be understood isn't big enough to be worshipped. The Holy Spirit is eternal. This means that He is God. And this means He is big enough to be worshipped. And He is worthy for us to do so. Other attributes that belong only to God that the Holy Spirit possesses include that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Psalm 139, 7-10 reads, Whither shall I go from thy Spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell or Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, meaning that as God, He is there, He is here, and He is everywhere. His presence is unlimited. He's everywhere present at the same time. The Spirit is present in every part of space with His whole being. This means the Spirit is inescapable in the creation. You can't run and you cannot hide from Him. Like the psalmist wrote, there's nowhere He can go. The Spirit isn't already there waiting to lead and to hold Him. And yet, the Holy Spirit is also uniquely present in different places, such as in heaven and in the believer. While we can and should be in awe of the reality of God's universal presence everywhere, often what we need the most in our lives is a God who dwells with us and understands us and understands what we go through in life. And that's the kind of God that we have. Isaiah 57:15 reads, For thus saith, the High and Lofty One that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with Him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. As God, the Spirit is the High and Lofty One that inhabits eternity and dwells in the high and holy place of heaven. But he also dwells with the humble and contrite on this earth. 
He's the high and holy God who fills the whole earth with his whole presence. And yet he is the God who is in us, who is with us always, and who ministers to your heart and to mine. The Holy Spirit as God is also omnipotent. Omni is a biblical term which means all, and potent means power. So omnipotent means all power. Being all-powerful is an attribute that belongs only to God. And the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. When the angel Gabriel visited Mary to tell her about giving birth to the Christ, he told Mary, and the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, Gabriel told Mary that the power of the highest would overshadow her. The power of the highest belongs to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's almighty power was demonstrated in the work of creation. All three persons of the Godhead took part in the creation of all things. Genesis 1-2 tells us that the Spirit was the one who moved across the formless deep and brought form to it. In our marriage from time to time, my wife has handed me a jar of pickles and said, I can't open this. Can you open this for me? And in a macho tone, I tell her, no problem. But in the few cases when I've not been able to, it's a moment of discouragement and humility. It's a reminder that I'm not as strong as I might think I am. Nothing is too hard for God. There are no degrees of difficulty with God. He does everything with equal ease. He does one thing as easily as he does another, and God never gets tired. His power is always the same, and he is always all-powerful. And with the Holy Spirit and his power dwelling in us, that teaches that we have strength in us. The Holy Spirit is always right there, willing and able to strengthen us as we turn to Him in faith, because we are not as strong as we might think we are. Each of us are weak and have weak moments, but God in His grace and mercy has given us His Holy Spirit to help us daily and in our times of need. As God, the Holy Spirit is eternal, omnipresent, omnipotent, and He is omniscient. Isaiah forty, thirteen to 14 tells us, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel? And who instructed him? And taught him in the path of judgment? And taught him knowledge? And showed to him the way of understanding? God the Holy Spirit has never been counseled, instructed, or taught. He doesn't need to be. He is perfect in knowledge. He instantly and eternally knows every fact about everything, everywhere, forever, and He knows it perfectly, completely, and unerringly. The Spirit has never learned anything. He knows everything already, and His knowledge of each of us is perfect. The Spirit knows us better than we know ourselves. And out of that perfect knowledge, He knows how best to care for us. And by grace... Even knowing all of our sins and our failures, the Spirit still loves us with an unconditional love. 
No one counsels God the Spirit, but we need His counsel, the instruction and guidance of the all-wise God, and we find that wise counsel in His Word. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute, but first we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. The Supernatural Sign Gifts of the Acts Period is a 65-page booklet written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler. We are living in an era when many are declaring back to Pentecost with its signs, miracles, and wonders. Sadly, this unsound teaching is sweeping through the church at an alarming rate, insomuch so that speaking in tongues has become the standard of true spirituality. Thankfully, Paul's gospel is the answer to this confusion. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Acts 5, verses 1-4 through 4 read, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not In thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Next, we'll take a look at the Holy Spirit's relation to the Godhead, which further teaches that the Spirit is God. In Acts 5, the Holy Spirit is expressly and plainly called God. To Ananias, Peter said, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then in the very next verse, he affirmed, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. To lie to the Holy Spirit meant to lie to God, because the Holy Spirit is God. And we see the divine name actually applied to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an equal person to the other two persons of the Godhead. We find this demonstrated by passages of Scripture where He is named with the Father and the Son. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, we find the Trinity in one passage of Scripture. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is God the Son, and the love of God, or God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Ghost, God the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen. In the unity of the Spirit, as Paul spells it out in Ephesians 4, we see the Spirit united with the other persons of the Trinity. Paul taught the church there is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. 
In giving his apostles his commission concerning the proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom, the Lord said in Matthew 28:19, "Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost." But notice the singular nature of the word name. The union of the three names under one name teaches that there is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit is a separate person, but yet one with the Father and one with the Son. God is at all times three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit is co-equal in authority, glory, nature, and deity within the triune Godhead. The Spirit is not one whit behind the Father or the Son in all their attributes. He is equal to God in every way. Equal to God the Father in every sense. Equal to God the Son in every sense. And in no sense is He less than equal. All this shows then when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God. He is the third person of the Trinity, fully God, worthy of praise, worthy of our worship, worthy of all that we render to Christ, worthy of all that we render to God the Father. John 16, verses 13 to 14 read, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself. But whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The Holy Spirit is also a person, as much as the Father and the Son are persons. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about a person, a person who thinks, feels, knows, and speaks as we do. He is living, he is real, he is personal. When we say that the Holy Spirit is a person, we don't mean to say that the Holy Spirit has hands and feet and eyes and arms and legs and so on. The Holy Spirit is a person because He possesses attributes of personality. He does things only a person can do. He is a being, a person who knows and feels and wills. And influence does not create, empower, teach guide, love, grieve, pray, speak, or command. But a person does. And the Holy Spirit does all of these things. Thus, this means we are not left to seek only some supernatural feeling or spiritual experience for help. We have a real friend, a comforter, a helper, a person who knows us inside and out. The Holy Spirit is not a power which acts in a friendly manner, the Holy Spirit is a powerful friend who acts to help us in our time of need. In our normal discourse, personal pronouns such as I, he, him, they are used of persons. And in the New Testament, personal pronouns are applied and used of the Holy Spirit in such a way that personality is affirmed. In the original language of the New Testament, the term spirit is the Greek word pneuma, and it is a neuter noun. This would normally entail using a neuter pronoun, and thus the proper way to refer to the spirit would be with an it. 
but strikingly, the New Testament writers contradicted normal grammar by using he and him when referencing the Spirit. Masculine personal pronouns are used to refer to the neuter noun of the Holy Spirit, such as John 16, 13, and 14. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, he shall glorify me. The writers, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, referred to the Spirit as a definite person. The Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is a he and a him, because he is a person. The attributes of personality is to have an intellect, emotions, and will. The Holy Spirit possesses all these in a wide range of characteristics, as the Scriptures reveal. 1 Corinthians 2, 10-11 read, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. In this passage, we see the Spirit's knowledge of the things of God and how He searches the deep things of God. The Spirit of God, as God, understands and knows all the truths of God. And out of His infinite wisdom, He teaches and He imparts them to us as we spend time with His Word. Next, we see the emotion of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 reads, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grief is a powerful emotion that we feel at the loss of a loved one. The Spirit being in us and being holy experiences this deep emotion when we fall into sinful actions. And the Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 11. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. To the early church, with these miraculous gifts, the Spirit gave them to the members of the body of Christ as He will. Choice is an act of the will. And by the imparting of spiritual gifts to the early church, it shows the Spirit's will. Acts 13 verse 2 reads, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Beyond the characteristics of personality, of intellect, emotions, and will, many acts that only a person can perform are ascribed to the Holy Spirit in Scripture, which reinforces that He is a person. We have Acts 13.2, where we learn how the Spirit speaks. He spoke by divine revelation to the prophets and teachers in Antioch and told them to separate Barnabas and Saul to him for the specific work that he had for them. Earlier in Acts, the Spirit spoke to Philip in the desert. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. 
the Spirit spoke to Philip and commanded him to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch to explain Isaiah 53 fully to him. As a person does, the Spirit speaks. Then in Romans 15.30, we learn how the Spirit loves. Now, now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. It is a wonderful thing to know that we are loved equally by the entire triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Out of His love, the Spirit sympathizes with us in our sufferings and intercedes for us and prays for us. Romans 8.26 tells the body of Christ, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In the difficult times of life, it is a comforting thing to hear and to know that we are being prayed for. Often our family members, friends, and church family will tell us that they're praying for us. And it is encouraging when someone tells you that. But we should stop and consider the blessing of knowing that the Holy Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf and prays for us, offering up these fervent petitions on our behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered to God the Father. He does that out of His deep love for each of us. The Holy Spirit speaks, commands, loves, intercedes, prays, and He forbids. Acts 16, 6-7 says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. The Spirit also leads, Paul wrote in Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit teaches, the Lord told His apostles in John 14.26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. When you put all of this together, now the Spirit has an intellect, emotions, and will, and that He speaks, commands, loves, intercedes, prays, forbids, leads, teaches. All of these things taken together cannot be performed by a mere power or influence. They are the acts and attributes of a person, a personal being. And because He is a person, our relationship with the Holy Spirit must be personal. If the Spirit is merely a power coming from above, it would simply be a power at our disposal. But if the Spirit is a person, and even more than that, God Himself, then it is we who should be at His disposal, and we should love, worship, and obey Him in all things. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. 
We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.